Hi, friends. I'm Mandy. And I'm Missy. And we're the Wayward Homesteaders. In this podcast, we will talk about homesteading and homeschooling. We will cover topics like food preservation, gardening, unschooling, and all the things we enjoy doing with our families. Grow with us as we talk about creating a homestead full of poop, plants, permaculture, and everything in between. Hey everybody, this is Mandy from Chapel Hill Forge. And this is Missy from Homesteading Roots. Today we're going to be talking about our worth. So this is something Jeremy and I started talking about during Christmas and then it got on our list of things that we wanted to make sure that we talked about. And I have this conversation with other small business owners often. It's something that, so we've both been in business over five years, but you know, missing Jeremy and Zad and I. And I wouldn't say that I'm at a point where I really struggle with pricing, but man, in the beginning, where we sold some things for like, when I look back at bookkeeping or whatever, that I'm like, oh my God, did we seriously sell it for this price? So we're going to kind of talk about that stuff today. So since this was Jeremy's idea, I'm going to make him start first. So Jeremy, talk about what value means to you, how you kind of value yourself, your value to your family, that kind of thing. So I guess my biggest stickler is... Like when I make something in the shop and it takes me, let's say, 20 minutes. And then I got to figure out, okay, it took me 20 minutes to do it. What is my hourly rate as far as creating something in the shop? So let's say make something for it takes 20 minutes and I think, okay, my time's worth $20 an hour. So, it's worth more than that. Right. Well, mm-hmm. it's just it's just numbers. I'm just throwing numbers out there. So, do I charge the 20 bucks? Because it only took me 20 minutes to make. And then I got to add in, like, okay, the saw blade, electricity, and that might be another 10, 15 bucks. So, when I create a product said and done that took 20 minutes, it might be, let's just say, 40 bucks. And then we throw it up on Facebook and <clears throat> our website and Etsy like that. And then people are like, oh my gosh, 40 bucks for that. And like, you can't be serious. So then that kind of puts a stick in my rear and be like, okay, so now I'm charging too, too much because nobody's going to, nobody's going to buy it. You know what I mean? So now I'm sitting on, on all this product that I've made and people seem to not understand what one homemade handmade um means small business small business you know it's not like a a fortune 500 company where you know they need a new laptop oh just go down to the to the warehouse and pick one out you know we're not like that so my biggest thing is you know trying to get through to these people that you know the skill that i've learned the tools that we've had to buy to make the product uh the the product that the product is made out of we have to buy that or get it or mill mill it down to to whatever well the consumables alone like sandpaper it's not something that you can use over and over over right eventually it wears out i think a lot of it too you have to figure in that when you make something handmade the first time you make it isn't going to be your top product you know so you're going to make Not one second or third time sometimes. right you're going to make one and you're going to be like okay well next time i should do this differently or cut this differently and then you're going to make another one so there's a lot of time and resources that go into perfecting a product right right yeah so it's just you know 
And I, I guess I'm the type of guy that that stuff bothers me or, you know, kind of gets to me a little bit. But well, I think also some of the problems is everybody's living in the Amazon internet world where like everything is coming from overseas right so a company makes something designs something and they ship it off to the person the, to all these businesses and whoever comes in as the lowest bidder gets the job to make it at the cheapest cost right. and larger companies can automate their processes right. where we can sort of automate to a degree but there's no automating making a handmade hummingbird house right yeah, and that's the thing like the same way with fire pokers they, they may look the same ish same-ish, but all these people were like, oh, can you make me one just like that? Well, I can try, but I can guarantee you that every single wooden product that I've ever made and duplicates are not the same. Right. And, and I can't do it the same. You know, I can try because... Well, just the wood grain alone. Is just going to say wood right. grain alone. The wood yeah. grain, the color, the, the type of wood, uh, the species of wood. You know, if you, if you want that type of product, then if you want duplicates of the exact same mirror image, I am not your guy because for me to do that, now I am going to have to charge you two or $300 because I'm going to have to go buy this machine that does that because what I do is handmade. It is, it is. And that's kind of not one well, of our values. Like we value that each one, it was, was made Per person, it's you know, so yes, each way. one is right. unique and it's going to have variations, and that's what we value. Well, We're I, not here to like mass supply, you know, spatulas or whatever. We're here to hand carve spatulas where he takes his time on each one, and each one's yeah. slightly different. And I don't want to call it value. a dying trade, but in more or less layman terms, it is because mm -hmm. there are still a lot of people out there doing it, but if you go to any website that's a big company like Amazon, it's mass produced by machine, right. not by a person. Yeah, I, I follow this guy on YouTube. Uh, it's worth worth the effort, and he does lathing and all kinds of uh, woodworking, and that's really where I hone up a lot of my my skills from lathing, uh, is from watching him, and uh, he. Well, at the end of the year, he did, uh, it's called the egg challenge, where you turn an egg on, on the lathe. And he basically states that, and, and it's true, it's very true, um, there are no two eggs alike, mm -hmm. where, no matter what. There are no two eggs alike. So if your egg, if you turn one egg and it's not the same length or shape or thickness, that's fine. Because there's no two eggs alike, and that's that's kind of like where I'm going, you know, with my products. There's no two of my products that I turn out of my my shop are ever going to be the same. Guys, and I'm so dumb. I'm sitting here trying to figure out, like, wow, he puts like a real egg in there, and then what's he do with it? <laughs> oh my god. Okay, we're making wooden eggs in case anyone else is dumb like me. Okay, back to Jeremy. So you know, just to you know, once he said that, it kind of clipped. In my head, or, or put a you know spark in, in in my mind, you know, none of none of my products have to be the same because they're not going to be the same. You know, nativity scenes. I'm sure one one roof shingle is going to be a little shorter than the other, and one's going to be longer, and all that. But and the know. manger wasn't perfect, so right. so be it. Well, I mean, right. 
I mean, I know my shop, and I, I think you do it in yours too. We do have jig. You know, if we we make something like, oh wow, this is going to be a good item to sell. A lot of times we'll make a jig to get us a close, quick. You might need to explain what a jig is. Like a, like a, a template. St- template or a stencil that you can. Like I, I had a fire company ask me to make coat hangers. And so I made and a lot of them. Yeah, it was twenty-five coat hangers to hang their bunker coats, their firefighting jackets that they wear into the building. And I knew that I was going to be making a lot of them. So before I even made the first prototype to see if they liked it, I made a jig because I knew that if they didn't buy it, I could break the jig apart and use it for other things. But if they did decide to buy this many, that I was going to be able to turn them out quickly, and they're all going to be identical. Within reason, you know, within centimeters, they're going to be identical. And so it saved me time. And now whenever I have somebody come to me that wants a coat hanger, I already have that template hanging on my rafters in my shop. And I can just go to it and it saves me time instead of having to reinvent the wheel and try to remember what I did a year ago. I'm seriously, I was sitting over here trying to figure out how you put a chisel to an egg and it doesn't break. Okay. Well, I think the other thing, too, that, like, you have to take into consideration, yes, we're working from home, so we don't have, like, the traveling expenses, but, like, during the winter, you know, Jeremy goes out and starts a fire, you know, he uses wood that we would be burning in our house to start the fire so that he can be in, like, a warm, er, warmer area, and, yeah, like, it's still drafty and it's cold, but, like, you know, we have to maintain the stove, and we have to buy the wood, and... You know, and make, that's and to, the wood that he uses, he can't just go to Lowe's or Home Depot. Well, right, yeah, for his for his projects, like we go when we're down with Dad Mandy or down the area, we go to Groff and Groff Lumber, and he picks out pieces of wood, you know, especially exotic wood, you know, that's not something like I don't have a cherry tree just growing in my backyard that right. we go cut a branch off of, you know. So it's a little, it's more of like putting that stuff into perspective too and like we carry insurance because that's what the state requires and we're about following the rules as much as we can like I don't need to lose my house over something that I've produced and sold for 20 bucks you know um we have a so, lot more overhead than most people right, and, and so it's all on us like right. it's us it's it's me and Jeremy it's Dad and Mandy who man all that we don't have somebody up in the office that pays the bills and does whatever we do all of this. Well, so and, and all of that is valued into the price of the, the product. The, the right. cost in going to Lewistown to get sandpaper right. or to get butcher block oil or to get his lathing tools sharpened. So I thought this was really interesting. Last week I asked on Facebook, what, how many kilowatt hours do you use a week at your house? And so most people were like 800 kilowatt hours, 1,200, 1,500, whatever. We're at 2,800 kilowatt Week hours. A month. a month. I'm sorry. Oh. A month. Um, and 2,800 is our average. So obviously in the summer we're using more because we're running a pool and we're running the air conditioner, but that's our average. And so as I'm reading this, I'm like, holy crap, we are like double or triple what most of these people are. But I'm paying to climate control my house. 24 7 because it's not like i'm going to turn my air conditioner down when i go to work because i'm gone for 10 hours you know we're running this stuff non-stop we're like we talked about you know three meals a day times however many people um keeping the house whether we're burning wood or coal or propane or oil or whatever it is well and for like me versus jeremy a lot of his tools aren't pulling the power that mine are when i'm running right. the welder or the grinders Power the hammer, saw, the power hammer, all those things. Those things are pulling a lot more power, and I'm using 
<coughs> excuse me, probably most of them all within the same time frame, within minutes of each other. For him, he'll be using the lathe for an hour or two, and then he'll go to hand sanding, and then maybe use the, the power sander for a couple seconds. And sometimes my Glowforge runs for hours on end. Oh, yeah, and that, that is a laser, so it's pulling a lot of power on top of the fan that's pulling the exhaust out. And we have to have an air conditioner or a heater up there because it has a temperature range that it has to stay within or it gets damaged. And isn't yeah. it crazy how we feel? I mean, this is so pertinent to us that we're having a podcast. Right. You know, to have to explain. No one's out there things. defending going to their full-time job. Right. Or no one's out there defending Amazon for charging right. $15 for a you know, bird, hummingbird house that's versus made in China. That's mass right. Produced. Versus right. us charging 40 because all of the stuff plays into it. Like it's well, just that kind of world that we're living in. And on that note, when we, so like to kind of transition into pricing, you know, when the boys come up with a new product or Missy and I come up with a new product, we often will like, so we'll go to Amazon, we'll go to Etsy. Um, we might just kind of do a general search or whatever. I don't even feel like you can go off Etsy anymore these days. Back early on when Etsy was out, I feel you can. But anymore, I feel like there's a lot of mass produced just being resold on. Right, it's not all handmade anymore. So we go there to get a ballpark. You know, most of the time, Missy and I have been having this conversation for so many years that we often, what were we just talking about the other day? And you said, what should I charge on this? The toddler knife. And we literally both at the same time said 20 bucks. Well, if we both say the same number at the same time, we know that we're right where we need to be. Very rarely do we talk about a product and like we're on opposite ends of the spectrum. So typically her and I will bounce that off of each other. And then, um, cause I feel like that's not that we don't ask the boys opinion on pricing, but that's sort of like more Missy and I's. We do the bookkeeping, we do the marketing, whatever. That's more of our kind of wheelhouse. So we usually will search online to see, okay, what are other people charging? Cause not that we necessarily feel like we need to be in the price market exactly but we don't want to be charging 150 and everybody else is charging 20 like so there's a disconnect somewhere I mean, that's like this guy on the radio the other day uh, he recently opened a, an etsy shop he does photo editing and he got bombarded with all these orders and he was like he had his price and then he was like oh, you know this is awesome getting all these orders and then he did his research and come to find out everybody else on etsy was charging triple mm -hmm. what he was mm -hmm. charging and i feel like that happens so we did that in the right. beginning right but then he raised his prices and like nobody cricket oh right. nobody did yeah because you know he had all these reviews well, already you know it, it was like when we were early on and we were selling our fire pickers for so we, when we would go to events at that time, we had three sizes of fire pokers. We had 36, 48, and 60. And we charged uh, $50, $55, and $60, which now that makes me want to vomit. Um, and now, I don't remember the prices off the top of my head. They're on the website. But, um, you know, most of Zad's fire poker orders that are coming in the door are right around $200 a piece. We now offer them from 36 inch to 72 inch. We offer customization. You know, we've gotten smart. We offer hand stamping on the, the handle so you can get your name, your whatever it is, you know, your camp that you're at or whatever. And then we offer attributes so you can add a can of wax, 10 fire starters, a hook to hang it on. You know, these are all things that we've learned along the way and value added things. People are like, oh, wax, that's a good idea because in six months to a year, you know, I have a video linked in the description. So, hey, you should really seal this. Well, 
you know, nobody wants to pay the shipping again. So they're just going to get it while they're there. So, you know, you're talking $150 price difference and no one has batted an eye. No one looks at our website and says, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're charging this much. What I was going to say is like when we're doing shows, your crowd really has a lot to, to do with your price. When we're doing shows... Well, when we sell it online, nobody would say anything about price. They just bought it. But then we go to these shows, and people are acting like it's a flea market or a yard sale. Well, would so you take draining. This, this is the price. It's not a yard sale. If it was my my garage or my yard, and I'm selling it, yeah, I'll you know haggle on price with you. But this is the product I made. This is the time and material and blood and sweat and tears that went into it. This is the price. So I. I don't understand how people go to these you know craft and maker markets and vendor shows and walk through there and try to haggle on pricing for these small business owners and 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 unfortunately there's some people out there who are so uh what's the word i'm looking for Uh, not confident in their work or not confident what they're selling and they're just so worried about making that sale that they'll take a 10 or 15 dollar cut because they feel it, oh, well, at least I'm making a sale. Well, yeah, you made that sale, but you also cut yourself out 10 or $15 that right. you could have made. Because you you, you got to realize at the markets, I mean, we did how many that oh, year? We did. We, 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 were we would do 50 shows in a year, and that was in nine different counties. Yeah, mm-hmm. and what people don't realize is, okay, you may go to a fire company to set up, and your, your fee to set up might be 10 bucks right. but you go to the the wine fest and it was what 50 bucks and it was in bfe and <laughs> you, you got to realize well, okay with, with that, that exact show it was a it was a two-day show yeah and we got to stay set up but we had to rent a hotel room yep we had a two-hour drive there yep. it was Please. almost an hour drive to the closest yep. hotel food out even though we packed as much as we could food out it wasn't unheard of for us to spend 120 dollars to attend a show oh, I mean, oh yeah for like, sure i, I constantly yeah. remember like writing that check and being like okay if we could just well, make and then, this back right well cool. one show that we did where it was a, a three on this four-day show we go in the night before right. set up we were there for three days and it was in the dead of summer so we had generators running to run my equipment mm-hmm. for what i had to do both the girls were pregnant or, or nursing or pumping or something. Mm-hmm. And so we had fans and air all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah. We yeah. had a trailer set up with an air conditioner so Missy wasn't sitting in a sweltering hot trailer nursing. And then it was it went into the night. Yeah. Well, what? you can't sell anything if nobody can see it. So then we had lights running. So right. all that money and the fuel to run the generator and the travel, we both had diesel vehicles, so... To haul our trailers and all of our family and equipment and everything else there. Yeah, so any time that we would go to a show, we were already going into the show in the negative. For sure. Yeah. For and sure. So to push our products, well, not to push our products, but to sell our products at the prices that we were selling them at, there's a reason behind it. It's because, like Zad said, you know, we had, we had canopies we had to set up to pay for. We had trailers to pay for. We had fuel to pay for. And, you know... The, the fee to, to even set up at the, at, the, at the vendor. Well, and just the wear and tear on your vehicle, right. the oil changes, the tires, the brakes. You know, people need to look at the grand picture of what a maker, a craft person, 
has to put into that. It's not just going to the store, picking it up, and turning around and reselling it. Well, and a lot of people ask me now, you know, I'm, I was usually the spearheader of, like, figuring out where we were going and what events and whatever, and then Missy and I would get together and we'd figure out our schedule and do we want to do this and whatever. Well, and then eventually we did some of the shows that we would have notes of that show we made this amount of money at, that show we didn't do that great at, that show we didn't make a bunch of sales that day, but those people came back later and said, I saw you at the show and I got, I'm getting it now. So people still come to me and say, Hey, do you want to do this show? Blah, blah, blah. And I usually, I just blame it on having toddlers, but there's a lot more to it for me, at least why I don't want to do stupid shows anymore. And like, whatever, if shows are your thing, then that's fantastic. But I got freaking tired of being talked down to about why is it this much? Oh, my brother does this. My mom used to do this. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Oh, I can make that at home. 100%. I got so tired of that garbage all the time. And so do I blame it on my, you know, having kids? 100% I do because I don't feel like going into a five-hour conversation about why I'm not doing this. And this all loops back into our value. And I value my Saturdays so much more than I used to because you know okay did we look badass with our two big diesel trucks in our trailers hell yeah we did and did we kill it and have these big setups and for us at least for me and Missy it was more just about being together <laughs> and the fact that we just made always made it fun like well, we, we rented a cabin and ate raw chicken and all this <laughs> other nonsense and whatever and like we have awesome memories from some of these things but it's always clouded and overshadowed by the feeling of we're not good enough Oh, my brother does this. I can do it myself. You're doing it wrong. It's so much anxiety. Because that's not how they do it on Forge and Fire. Well, Forge and Fire is a Hollywood TV show. And it's it's a different... It's it's blacksmithing, but it's not blacksmithing. It's bladesmithing. And the two, they're completely Mm -hmm. different realms. So, you know, I had somebody chastising me and telling me that I'm not a tradesman because I'm quenching in water. Well, I'm using mild steel. You don't need to quench in oil because it's not a blade. It doesn't have to have a slow cool down. And people that, you know, just walk up and start making you feel like you're nothing because they saw something on TV. So it has to be true because it was on TV. Right. Well, Jeremy's 100% right. Missy and I have had this conversation 100 times. The anxiety around doing... No, I do not. I don't want to. And, you know, so to... I miss doing demos. It's like a toxic relationship. The, The thing of the shows I miss is doing demos and the kids and people who are who are truly inquisitive and want to learn mm-hmm. that's what i miss of doing the shows and i miss the adventure of us all loading right, up right. that and was taking fun. off to somewhere where we've never been and finding the little mom pop ice cream joint or yeah. mom pop you know burger and soda joint the that part of the adventure i miss and the cruising down the highway talking to each other on the cbs that and that stuff i miss that I don't miss the death wobble. <laughs> but I don't miss the people who come up acting like they know more than you right. or want to talk you down because they're cheapskates and they don't want to spend the money that you put into that piece of product. And I feel like I should note that probably 95% of our customer bases are great. They keep coming back to us because they like our product. They keep recommending us because they like our product. They've had a good experience. It's the 5% that unfortunately, if you don't learn how to just let those people out of your mind, can really bring you down. And we let them bring us down. The first couple of years, we really let the that 5% or 10% or whatever and bring us down. If you're going to be in this trade, in, in this, this realm of handcrafters, you're just going to have to get some thick skin and just let it roll off your back. Yeah. So, Missy, talk a little bit about 
pricing and struggling with pricing and where you're at with that. So before I met with Adam, um, who designed our website, I really struggled with pricing. I always wanted to be the person that had the lowest price on everything because I thought, okay, well, if my prices are lower than everybody else, then people are going to come to me and they're going to buy. But Adam really explained and helped me realize that that's not how the, how it is, you know, People will look at the prices, yeah, but then they're going to think, okay, well, if you're a couple dollars um, cheaper than, you know, your your competitor, why is that? You know, then they start to question, you know, why are you cheaper and why are you not valuing your product? Is that there well, must be a reason for that. Your product not as good. Right. Are you, like, hiding something? Are you just throwing something together and not doing research on? When I spend a lot of time researching and testing and... Um, re-researching and figuring out different ways to do things and um, like you know just for instance we just came up with our um, elderberry bone broth syrup like who who else does that like nobody else does that so like even we it. were like hmm right, exactly. <laughs> we'll see how so, like, this is gonna this taste taste like <laughs> and honestly I preferred over it's the good. regular elderberry syrup you know but like there was research done in that and and um and then a taste testing panel. Right, taste testing Oof. panel. And I'm very picky when it comes to things. And, like, when Mandy, like, we all kind of woke up with sore throats. I don't know if it's because we were all snoring last night or what right. happened. But she's like, we'll get the bone broth elderberry syrup. And I'm like, ew, like, like I don't value the things that I make. Like, you totally as don't. I, as much as I value the things my husband makes. And I think it's just, like, a, a personality thing. But, you know, then we all, like drank the elderberry syrup and I'm well like, and it had like by taste testing panel i mean our kids right <laughs> some of them are like very uh off put by anything and other ones are like i'll give it a try yeah right. yeah and like when mandy came at me with the jar it had like the um collagen collagen on the top like floating around and i'm like i am not drinking <laughs> and i like, knew she wouldn't <laughs> right she does this crap to me all the time i'm like no, I'm sorry. Like, do something about that, and then I'll drink it. She's like, well, that's where all the benefits are. And I'm like, I know, but I can't drink a chunky drink. Like, I'm sorry. So she puts them in a cup and warmed it up, and it was fabulous. Not like, enough to kill the honey. Right, not enough to kill the honey. Just enough to melt the collagen. But it was amazing. But, like, I've spent hours researching. Okay, well, the elderberries have a reaction to the bone broth and delete the nutrients in the bone broth. Well, so that's not worth it. But, you know, no. They, they, they work together. They boost each other. And, you know, when you're sick, you want bone broth and elderberry that's syrup. That's why grandma and mom's made us chicken noodle soup. Right, exactly. It boosts your immune system. But... I'm not talking about the store-bought stuff. I'm talking about homemade right. bone broth chicken noodle right. soup. Right, so I struggled with, okay, I don't want to be the cheapest person, but I also don't want to be the most expensive person because I'm not out to rob people. Like, that's not the, the point of my business. I'm out to help people and let people know that there are other options. So, you want to be kind of in the middle without taking advantage. Like, if if I go and buy elderberries and, you know, I just happen to run on a sale and I buy a bunch of them, I'm not going to, like, lower my price per se. Like, I might have a sale here and there, but I'm not going to lower my price per sale per se because I got those elderberries on sale. Because the next time I go and get them, they might be in high demand and I might be paying $5 Well, and since more, COVID, good right, God. $5 more per pound and I'm not going to adjust my prices, be like, well, I paid twenty dollars for these elderberries so you're not right. getting this for fifteen you're getting it for twenty you know so taking in those different aspects of pricing um adam really helped open my eyes with that and explaining that you know you want to have pride in the products that you make so don't 
cheap yourself out and cut yourself short just because you want to make a sale. Like, be proud of what you're producing and putting out there. And, like, be competitive. Like, be be where every, like, meet everybody in the middle. You don't want to be too high. You don't want to be too well, low. So that's Mandy, where I struggle. Mandy and I are in that same spot where, like, what steel costs for me to make a fire poker five years ago when I started oh, versus my. what it is now has changed so much so you know whenever i'm getting ready to order my steel i'll call my supplier and talk to mike and find out you know where it's sitting at and you know i've got a great relationship with them so if they have steel on the rack and they just ordered more in and it's at a higher point they're selling it to me for what they bought you know roughly for what they bought for not for the new cost which has been a blessing that they take care of me in that way that i can then continue my cost at where it's at but at some point, with steel going up, I might have to change my prices again so that I can make my bottom line. And on that note, there's a lot of things that we do that we don't get paid for. You know, like we work a lot of this stuff into our price, but, you know, we're driving to the steel shop to pick up steel. Jeremy's driving to pick up wood. Um, you know, Missy's spending hours researching the best way to fight infection on something or whatever, you know right now I'm trying to build my YouTube channel. Well, I'm not getting paid to give all these people this free information and learn all this stuff. But obviously, and I've talked about this before, my goal is to monetize at some point. And I just enjoy that kind of thing. I enjoy making videos. I enjoy teaching people. So I, there's a balance that you have to find with um, pricing things because, you know, Jeremy sort of touched on this earlier. Like, if somebody comes to him and says, hey, can you make me 10 spatulas, but I need them to all be identical, well, you know, he's going to have to have that conversation with them. They'll be similar. But, you know, he's not going to push it to the point where he's not enjoying this. And I'm not saying that we enjoy every minute of our day, but if somebody puts so much pressure on him to make 10 spatulas that are identical and he's just out there mauling over this all day and has all this anxiety about... That comes to a good point of knowing when just to say no. Or I, I'm not your person, or I, I'm not the person that can do that for you. He has all this anxiety about trying to match these 10 spatulas, and then he's just hating it. Well, then the next time somebody asks him for a spatula, all that crap's going to bubble back up, and oh my gosh, does this look like this? And does it, you know, Zad and I talk about this a lot too because he'll put stuff on the website, and, or I'll put stuff on the website, and then. You know, we had this chain that we bought five, you know us, you know, we have this chain we bought five years ago. Well, that's the picture that's on the website. Now we can't match it. Well, we didn't update the picture and then somebody complains about, you know, whatever. Like, well, and it's kind of the out of sight, out of mind. We didn't even think about the fact that we ran out of that chain and we got something different. Um, the other thing, too, that I wanted to mention is Missy was kind of saying about uh, Adam and how encouraging he was. And I think that if you're going to run a small business, you have to surround yourself one with like-minded people and two with encouragers. So, um, our friend April had put out on, sorry, the kids are upstairs and there's some sort of chaos happening. Um, our friend April had asked the other day, like, what is your love language, which we should 100% podcast on sometime. And Missy had mentioned words of affirmation, right? Her love language is words of affirmation, but she doesn't accept those words of affirmation. And, I know that because I tell her all the time how valuable she is and how the things that she does are valuable and whatever. And she doesn't hear me, um, or hear or Jeremy, <laughs> you know, or that or whatever. Um, but that's important. Like if you're going to run a business, you cannot surround your, okay. Like I'm not saying you can't have friends that go off to normal jobs or whatever, but they're not going to get it. They're not going to hear you when you say, Hey, I got up at six o'clock and I worked on my website for three hours and they're going to be like, Oh, so you sat at your dining room table and drank coffee. 
Well, yeah, I friggin' did have a cup of coffee, but well, I friggin' worked are, for three hours before I did the rest of stuff. That would be like, oh, it must be nice to be in your <sighs> pool. I can't stand. You know, must when, be nice. Back when we were doing shows, and we it'd be a holiday weekend, and you know we would be everybody would be out at the beach or on boats and stuff, having a great time on the on the lake, and we're at a show for three days, and then Monday we decide is our Sunday, and we're gonna just hang out with the kids in the pool. And relax. And relax. Mm-hmm. Oh, it must Keep be nice depressed. to be in a pool on a 97 degree day. Yeah, well, sweet ass the past three sure days, is. <laughs> yeah, the past three days, it was 110, and you guys were having fun while we were working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is nice, but just because we don't go to work Monday through Friday, and I'm in the barn working from 9 a.m. till 3 a.m., and then starting all over again, our work hours are different, but I'm still putting in the same amount, if not more time and effort into my business well and for instance um it's january 1st it's a friggin holiday and we're sitting down here right. you know batch podcasting because our kids are content and they're upstairs and it's a good time to do this kind of stuff and i can't you know especially when i'm here or there with us or whatever you know missy and i are usually like i said in the morning like we'll have breakfast and i'm like okay let's do some work whatever and then Late into the evening. How many nights have we sat around your dining room table finishing up website descriptions, well, editing YouTube videos? Last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the ball had already was dropping, and what was Missy doing? She was freaking powdering carrots. Powdering carrots. She was well, <laughs> she was putting in the, the monosteel bags. Yep. Well, well and monster, you know monster. the this morning <laughs> I was cutting up limes, and tomorrow is a quote observed holiday or whatever well i can guarantee you we're going to be working tomorrow and doing stuff because we have orders to make we have things to do so on that note the last thing that we want to touch on is why we don't always choose or value work outside the house and there's a lot of reasons for that and so um you know we do work outside the house sometimes or in some seasons or whatever um but we have to really sit down and decide okay is x amount of dollars an hour the drive there, being away from my family, et cetera, is that worth what I'm going to be bringing in? And sometimes it's a really hard conversation because, and you know, I know there's a lot of conversation, at least in recent past about, okay, minimum wage and blah, blah, blah. And so you hear, oh, I'm going to make X amount of dollars an hour. And you think that's really great. And when you really drill it down till the taxes come out, till you take the gas out, till you think about, okay, I have all these orders piling up at home that I'm still going to need to do when I get home from that job. Um, or if you have livestock on your or livestock, that they, right? You know, and so just for instance, like we decided we wanted to come up and spend a weekish with Missy and Jeremy here. There was a lot of coordinating that went into that, and you know, having someone now our winter chores are a lot less, but having someone check in on our animals, um, we have really good systems in place. So for the most part, we can have somebody check on them every other day. But you know. There's a lot of things to keep our homesteads going, which is also our income streams, one of our income streams, keep those things going for us to do, quote, vacation. Um, And I sort of use, I I did air quotes that you can't see, because most of this, quote, vacation, we've been working, making YouTube videos, podcasting, splitting wood, making orders, working on our websites, planning for the year, what blogs are we going to do, what recipes do we need to get together, um, what project next is coming up that we need to plan? Right, we've been dehydrating things and freeze drying things and all kinds of stuff. And 
I feel like I should say that we enjoy that stuff and that's why we chose this lifestyle. Freeze drying, dehydrating, splitting wood, making YouTube videos, whatever, are all things that we enjoy. So it's not like we're like, oh, this is such drudgery. You know, I don't want to do this. When I get up and I make my pot of coffee and the kids are all still sleeping and I can sit at the table and get some serious work done for a couple hours. I mean, I get to crank up the chainsaws and start cutting into wood. Well, and a lot of this, like plays into our homeschooling too like our kids yes. are involved in all of these projects mm-hmm. right well, the, the two like, youngest well not two not zuzu but being and jamie man as soon as mandy starts getting in a project can i help can i help what can right. i do yeah you're we cutting up vegetables last night and sawyer went over and got his toddler knife that jeremy made him and was helping cut vegetables and cut cheese and are they like, are they the dimension or shape right. or <laughs> thickness they need to be? No. no. But they don't have to be. Like, we're going to eat it. You know? And Jared like, has, and Vanessa, have right. been enjoying being working with Jeremy. Yes, totally. Um, you know, so all of that plays into it, too. And we're teaching our kids values and how to value their time and their worth. Well, and just even like being in Jamie, when Jeremy and I were out there cutting up firewood with the chainsaws, it is not a safe thing for him and I to be doing, even though him and I are skilled and have been trained in using these tools. But the littles know, without us even having to say anything now, to stay back. And they know that distance that they need to stay back without even being told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ruth Ann Zimmerman, we just watched her video yesterday. She was talking about how she's been teaching. She catches crap all the time because her young kids are using knives to help her preserve food. And she's like, my kids have been using knives since they were two, and I've been teaching them safety. And so I... I think we'll probably end with here is that we try to just not create disconnect in our lives. So there are connections between homeschooling, homesteading, um, you know, being as self-sufficient, community minded, whatever you want to call it as you can. And all of this kind of loops together. And we just try to keep that like a, uh, like a connected, you know, like we don't, okay, you're going off to work from nine to five. You're going off to school from six to three. Then you're going to this, you're this, everything is just, I don't want to say seamless to because say that, we have bumps. Not to say that you can't be in extracurricular things. Right. Like Jeremy and I with the fire company or, you know, Bud with youth group or Vanessa with Girl Scouts. You know, there are benefits to going outside of your house or your property and doing other things in the community or things that you enjoy. Going to that herb guild right. and learning about herbs. But there's a good balance. And if you, you know, gosh, Missy and I, we talk about this a lot. All these moms we see, they're super stressed running from this to this to this to this to this. And we're just like, oh, my God, that is not the life that we want. Like, you don't know how your mom did it with four years. I don't. With band and sports and all that stuff. Right. Right. And she never complained about it. So, like, my last final thought, so to to say, is, you know, if you you are a small business owner and you take pride in, in the product that you are selling just reassure your customer that this price yes it comes the price that you're paying for the product also comes with you know it's a genuine handmade product made by a real person that you can call or get a hold of at you know any time instead of you know you get something off of Amazon that you know, you want to talk to somebody, you might as well just talk to the wall because, <laughs> you know, that's the Not to say we don't use Amazon for certain right, things. Right, right. For sure. Yeah. But I'm saying, you know, as far as the, the product that I create, you know, I take pride in it. No, it's not going to be the same as the, fir- the last one I created, but it was made with my hands, my tools, and it's a genuine product. 
and it, lots of love. Lots well, of and love, that, and it was made that, by a real person. That money that's going into purchasing that product from you is putting food on the table or heating the house right. or giving kids a birthday gift or a Christmas right. gift. It's not going to a CEO or CEO or whatever they are. Buy a fourth to yacht. Buy a, you know, right. another vacation home or another high-end luxury car. It, it's going into our livelihood and our way of life and our kids. So I hope that you learned something from this. If you are a small business, you're thinking about starting a small business. We love having this conversation. Um, we would love to help you not make the mistakes that we made in the beginning. And everybody's going to make their own mistakes, you know, and learn along the way. But um, if you have questions about anything that we talked about today, as always, reach out to us. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye, friends.